It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the bridge of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 819 of Locked On Raptors for, uh, what the hell date is it? Wednesday, November the 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got tons of stuff for you covering all the big four sports, college, all that good stuff. Please subscribe to, rate, and review the shows covering the teams that you Want to hear about every single day from a local expert? Go do it now. All right. On today's show, I am joined by our pal Big V, Vivek Jacob, once again, as we are going to dive into part two of my ranking every Raptors series, getting to the top 75. If you have not yet listened on Monday uh, or two Mondays episode, we went through spots number 238 to 76 of my annual update of my ranking of every single player in Toronto Raptors history. Today we get to the top 75, which means we get to the good stuff. The seven core members of the Raptors who got ranked uh, in various places, about the uh, the top 25 or so. And joining me again, as I mentioned, to talk all about it and rip apart all the things I got terribly wrong is our pal Big V, Vivek Jacob. What's going on, buddy? Not much, Sean. Thanks for having me on. I'm just uh, in the midst of adjusting to a new sleep schedule. I'm usually a bit of a night owl, going to bed around 2 or 3, but... With darkness upon us around 5.30, I am trying to commit to going to bed by 11 and waking up by 7 and soaking in as much as uh, as much of the sun as I can. That is a smart way to go, man. I have not considered changing my sleep schedule. I kind of am at the mercy of my morning radio shifts every three weeks. 
um, mm. where I'm waking up at the crack of dawn and getting all that sunshine <laughs> five days a week anyway. But um, I, I feel like I'll probably revert back in my two weeks off, uh, just you know, go, going to bed at 3 a.m. playing too much Zelda and then uh, waking up after the sun's been up for a few hours and I only have a few hours left before. Uh, seasonal affective disorder uh, kicks in. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Daylight savings time is stupid. I hate it. Anyway, uh, we have a fun show today again as we are going to run through the ranking every Raptor 3.0 update part two. Let's just kind of go through and give a people give the people a bit of an idea of where the main characters in today's podcast ended up. Very little movement in the 75 through 25-ish range. The only move uh, in, in anywhere in there is me dropping down Lou Williams out of spite because I grow more and more angry about his season with the Raptors every year. And it was kind of fun to watch him and his Clippers lose after they talk about how good they were all season after uh, getting a couple games in the first round off a Warrior te- Warriors team that did not care. Uh, it's very funny to me. So uh, happy to see Lou Will fall from 29 down to 37. And that's out of the way. We can now move into the players from the Raptors core seven from this year and where they land. Marcus Saul was 25th last year. He leapfrogs a couple people and moves up to 24th. Uh, the math there works because other people leapfrogged Gasol to uh, to throw him back a little bit. He would have been, I think, 23rd or 22nd had uh, nobody leapfrogged him, but people did. Uh, so he's at 24th. You've got OG Ananobi at 14th, right in between Anthony Parker at 20 and Doug Christie at 18. Uh, Norman Powell at 14 after he was number 26 last year. Uh, by the way, OG jumped from 44 last year, the biggest jumper on today's episode. Uh, at 13th all-time is Fred Van Vliet, who was 16th last year. At number 10 is Serge Ibaka, who climbs from number 14 into that vaunted top 10. And then Pascal Siakam uh, jumps from 10th up to 6th. Kyle Lowry stays at 1. Very uninteresting with Kyle Lowry. He is the best Raptor of all time. It is not an interesting conversation. Stop pretending like it's an interesting conversation. He's number one. We probably won't talk too much about Kyle today because he rules and there's not much debate there whatsoever, unless you're a fool. So, Well, I have a debate. I have a bone to pick with you, Sean. Okay. I think Kyle Lowry is too damn low. To just have him <laughs> at one is unacceptable. He's got to be 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, 1E, 1F, and 1G. The different iterations of Kyle all occupying different exactly. spots at one. You've got charge-taking Kyle. You've got pull-up three Kyle. You've got uh, Kyle's ass as his own category. You've got Kyle's smile as another category. I don't disagree. Uh, editor Daniel Reynolds was going to get mad if I had this go any longer. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do blurbs on all the different iterations of Kyle. But you're right. Point taken. I don't think you're wrong. Outside of that quibble... Do you have any other big notable disagreements with my rankings so far? I have not had you on this podcast to talk about previous rankings. I believe I saved that for noted guy who likes to tell me how wrong I am, Dan Grant, who uh, I didn't ask on this 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 time around because we talked enough on online on stuff about this stuff anyway. So I uh, brought you into the mix on this one. So you can either talk about uh, previous rankings that you think are wrong and are now three years in the canon wrong, or you can talk about ones that I've updated for this year that you think are wrong. Where did I go most egregiously wrong in my third round of ranking every Raptor this year, Big V? So I think... The big maybe disagreement that we'll have is over how you weigh longevity versus peaks. And so when I look at, you know, two seasons of Marcus All, that has him at 24, but then, you know, three seasons of OG where the second one was 
basically a redshirt year has him at 19. Mm-hmm. And when I look at Mark's impact on the championship, you know, that's got to be significant. And when I look at uh, someone like, you know, uh, a Doug Christie, that's got to be significant as well. I mean, okay, so Doug Christie's ahead, but I feel like he should even be ahead of Norman Powell. Mm-hmm. And so those, those those are the two main quibbles that I'll have. If, if you're going to have OG that high, then I think Mark has to be higher. And then... Okay. Uh, if you're going to weigh longevity a bit more, then I think OG still needs to be behind, you know, an Alvin Williams and Morris Peterson, maybe even a Charles Oakley. See, I think I disagree that OG should be behind Mark. I love Marcus Saul. And as I wrote in the piece, if this were a ranking of the dudes I've enjoyed watching the most in Raptors history, Gasol is top 10, probably top five. He's amazing. I love him. But he was horribly injured this season. He was very bad in this year's playoffs. And OG now has three years of, you know, two years of excellent play. One year that was kind of a lost year through no fault of his own. Um, you know, the appendectomy kept him out of the postseason. That sucked for him. But when it came to his rookie season, one of the better rookie seasons we've ever seen from a Raptor, up there with like Charlie Villanueva, who was second in rookie of the year voting, and then obviously Vincent Damon Stoudemire, who got rookie of the year. But, like, OG was excellent. He was a starter on a 56-win team. That is, or a 58-win team? Like, they were ridiculous that year. And OG was, you know, from the jump, one of the better defenders in the NBA. And then was also an absolute boss in the playoffs. He continued being an absolute boss in this year's playoffs. He had the shot in Game 3 against Boston, which, you know, those kinds of moments certainly help in these sorts in these sorts of rankings. And as much as I love Marcus Gasol, I think holistically the impact of OG has been more over his 200-something games with the team as opposed to uh, Gasol 70. It's just he's going to be higher for me as much as Gasol deserves to be up there. But I'm willing to listen on Doug Christie and Norm Powell because I, the first DM so I got... Before, before we Sorry, move go to that, yeah, yeah, go before to, uh, we move to that, I think you make my point, though, as far as where Mark Gasol is. And, like, the debate should be between OG and Mark. If if you're going to weigh, you know, those playoff performances and what, what they've accomplished at their absolute peak, because Mark should then be ahead of Alvin Williams and Charles Oakley and Mo Pete, because the Raptors aren't winning the championship without him. Fair. And uh, so that's what I'm saying. If you're, if we're still weighing longevity, then guys like Alvin and, the, and them should still be ahead of both OG and Mark. I do weigh longevity, though. There's the thing is, like, there's a million things to weigh when you're doing this ranking. There's not one criteria that outweighs the other. It's sort of like a gut feeling type of thing. Um, as much as I wish it could be just, like, purely analytical, you know, that's not the way this works. And, you know, guys like Oak and Alvin Williams, in addition to being around for longer, in particular Alvin, you know, while they weren't necessarily as important or, you know, as driving of winning as Marcus Saul. They were around longer. They have those moments. You know, Alvin Williams has the shot against the Knicks to get them through to the second round for the first time. And I think Gasol, as amazing as he was, has, you know, probably... I mean, he was he was good, very good in the Sixers series for sure. He was kind of a no-show to start the Buck series and was excellent to close. Very good in the finals. So, yeah, he was really good in that championship run. They don't win the title without him. I totally agree. But And he was all-time at the parade. That is very true, and the video of the parade of him in there is is in there for a reason. It adds to his lore. I just kind of <laughs> think 
when you're weighing all of these elements, like because you have to factor in off-court charis- charisma and stuff like that. You have to factor in longevity, where they rank on sort of franchise rankings, stuff like that. Games played, minutes played, um, the teams they played on, who were their supporting casts, and then also playoff moments. I just I feel like Gasol has not been around nearly long enough to edge ahead of a couple of guys in Alvin Williams and Oakley who are like all-time faves and who were really good on, you know, you know, they weren't excellent. They weren't the best players or anything like that. They weren't even essential to the team winning necessarily, but they were on at least a couple very good Raptors teams. And Alvin himself, you know, he had the the 2001 playoffs, he had the 2000 playoffs, and then he also in 2002 was part of that team with Antonio Davis that just dragged the team to the playoffs with Vince Carter injured for the last 18 games. They finished the season like 15-3 and three or something crazy like that. Might have even been better than that. And they got just above 500 and made it into the playoffs and I think took the Pistons to five. And so, you know, he has just more in the catalog than Gasol does, unfortunately, because of injury and all that stuff and the fact that he was a mid-season trade addition. 70 games, to me, does not make a top-20 Raptor. And I think that's unfortunate because I love, <laughs> love Marc Gasol, but... I just don't know if he's quite there. And then when you get into OG, you know, he's got more games played, you know, 210 to 70. Like, that's three times as many games played. That's a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And he has the enormous playoff moment. So I think it's fair where he is. And then you have Doug Christie at 18. Again, I, I, I could hear the argument for putting Christie higher. I've always kind of lumped Christie, Anthony Parker, Mo Pete, and now OG kind of into the same grouping. I even went to Twitter to sort of sort out who people thought was the best of that group. A lot of people said Mo Pete. I think that's objectively wrong. Yes, he had the longevity. That's a big part of it. But in terms of actually driving winning, I don't think he ever really did that much at all. Whereas Anthony Parker, like, full-on took his job when in his first season with the team and was a really good player for a shorter amount of time. None of this is scientific. It's all gut feel. And I I just kind of think you have to sort of do a bit of a pie chart of all these different elements and different factors and criteria to try to come up with the ranking. I may be wrong on Doug Christie having him 18 behind Norm, behind Tracy McGrady, behind Daniel Marshall and TJ Ford. That might be the area where I can sort of, again, I'm open to changing my opinion and altering things year over year. I, I famously put Danielle Marshall ahead of Amir Johnson in year one and got screamed at for it. And I listened to that and I moved Danielle behind Amir Johnson. But <laughs> I think Doug Christie, yeah, if there is going to be a guy I move next season based on the arguments I'm hearing this year, it might be Doug Christie ahead of Norm. But again, Norm could have a great season next year and completely blow Doug Christie out of the water. I don't know. Yeah, for me, I think at this point, Doug Christie should be ahead of norm and danielle and tracy mcgrady and tj ford because i look at what he accomplished as raptor becoming the all-time steals leader um you know he's on a number of those all-time charts and he started 299 times for the raptors tracy mcgrady started 53 games Mm -hmm. and so i think that matters too and so I think Christie has accomplished enough to be ahead of Norman Powell. And then I think the other question I'd ask too is Doug Christie, just looking at what he was as a Raptor alone, forget about the Kings days and whatever it is. If someone were to give you a choice between Raptor Doug Christie and Raptor Norman Powell, I think a lot of people are picking Raptor Doug Christie. Yeah. And again, it's tough to, to, to weigh those playoff moments with Norm too. But I, I again, Blake Murphy got in my DMs uh, like right away after the rankings went up. He was the first person to jump in and say, "I have Norm too high," and it's uh, <laughs> it's like residue of 
only knowing pain for this franchise before the last five or so years. So right. um, that totally is fair as well, though his playoff moments kind of kick ass. We have a lot more to get to in terms of where different guys should be on this ranking or where they should not be. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, I want to tell people all about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar you are ever going to try. And they have six new flavors for you to try out right now, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Joining their original lineup of flavors that includes German chocolate, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, coconut, toffee almond, peanut butter brownie. There's so many great ones to choose from, and they are all covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew. They're also great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a very, very tasty treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for keto diets as well. I really love a built Bar when I'm in the morning and I want to not bog myself down with a full stomach and a breakfast. I'm not much of a breakfast guy, but built Bars are great to get something in you in the morning with some energy to help you get throughout the day. I also like them if I'm going to go for a workout. However sparsely that takes place for me, a person who likes to sit down a lot, uh, whenever I am going to go for a bike ride or something, I like to have a built bar just before I go on my ride to uh, power up and not have, again, a huge meal sitting in my stomach while I do it. Uh, and right now, when you go to BuiltBar.com, you're going to get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. So get on it right now. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your next order. Again, that's the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off and a free cooler while supplies last at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V. So we've talked about OG. We've talked about Norm a little bit. We've talked about Marcus Saul. Fred Van Vliet and Serge Ibaka, as well as Pascal Siakam, are up on the list as well. We have not yet addressed them. Where do you want to go here? Is there a, a place I've screwed up royally as it pertains to one of these three? I don't know if there's a place that you've screwed up royally. Um, you know, again, it, it comes down to weighing how much you weigh the peaks and how much you weigh longevity. Again, I'm not saying that you don't weigh longevity. I'm just saying how much. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, you look at the way you had OG ahead before, you look at Surge at 10, then maybe should he be higher, right? Uh, has, has his peak and winning the championship and everything now already gone past what Jonas Valanciunas accomplished or Jose accomplished? Because Jose, for as good, as good as he was as a Raptor, I mean, he, ne- he never won a playoff round, right? And so... Uh, that's something you have to think about. Fred, I think versus Amir is interesting now. I think mm-hmm. it's it, it's worth a discussion. And you, again, you look at the peak that he had in the Buck series, in the Warriors series, and his development since to being a you know starting caliber guard alongside Kyle Lowry and being an all-defensive, like, he should have been an all-defensive team candidate. And to me, he, frankly, just should have been on the team. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think he'll be a contender for that team for years to come. Obviously, that stuff will have to play out for him to move higher. But I think him versus Amir at this point right now 
it's an interesting discussion to have. I, I definitely wouldn't be mad if you had him ahead of him already. Yeah, I, I kind of view at 11, I have Antonio Davis straight behind Serge uh, and then Amir Johnson at 12. And I kind of view that 11-12 Davis-Amir sort of thing as like the cutoff between very, very good Raptors and like all-time Raptors. And mm. as much as I love Fred Van Vliet, I still think it's a little early to maybe throw him into all-time Raptor status. You know, and maybe that's unfair because I have Surge in all-time Raptor status by my criteria here. And, <laughs> you know, he's been around basically just as long. I think even a little bit less, actually, uh, considering he was a mid-season pickup the season that Fred started out. Um, but, like, I just kind of feel like the the lows in the playoffs against the Sixers in particular and against the Celtics this year where I think a lot of what really ailed the Raptors kind of stemmed a lot from Fred Van Vliet and you know maybe that's unfair to say but this was an offense that was stagnant and that took a too, too long of a time to get going and a lot of the time when things were at their worst it was Fred Van Vliet running the show and you know you've obviously yeah yes Kyle Lowry picked up the foul and was overly aggressive and whatever in the final minutes of game seven against Boston but Fred ran that final possession not very well and maybe I'm using that as too much of a crutch to keep him down but I do think the playoff shortcomings are a thing to keep in mind here and like Amir was really freaking good also one of the first dudes to really embrace the city had himself like a really good playoff series against Boston including game or sorry Brooklyn including game seven where he was outside of Kyle the best player on the floor and I think that's still sort of a, a wall that Fred has not yet scaled he'll get there if he sticks around which I think he will I think the Raptors will pay them and none of these sort of quibbles with Fred and having him at 13 are, are any sort of suggestion that he should not be back or anything like that but I do think Amir and Antonio Davis is kind of hallowed ground that Serge Ibaka just kind of passes for me and Fred doesn't quite get there because he doesn't quite have you know the the consistent across the board he's always been awesome and I suppose that's fair about Serge too maybe I'm hypocritical in this but I think the off-court stuff from Serge and the acceptance of a new role and the turnaround from where his lows were kind of make him a more suitable top 10 guy than Fred than Fred is just now. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I think basically it just comes down to the fact that if you're going to have Serge at 10, then maybe Fred should be higher. You got and you know, let's face it, he brought a championship to Mississauga as well. Mm-hmm. Can't forget mm-hmm. about that. And with Fred, yeah, he absolutely as soon as the Celtics took away the hammer play, he should have recognized that, hey, I'm not going to be able to get the shot off that I want. Let's just call a timeout because we've got one in the bag and let's run a better play and try to create. But overall, you know, his series struggles were a concern. Yes, he had, you know, very few of those hot stretches. And every time he made a three, it was like, okay, here we go. But then it never really materialized. And I think for him, that drive game you know i think the mid-range thing is the biggest thing for him to add to find that next level as as a player just to be able to pull up when uh bigs are just waiting for him at the rim Mm -hmm. and so yeah for him to move up i think maybe showing that next level is what will take him there and right now it's worth a debate so it all just comes down to individual opinions so i think you having him just just out of it right now would be fair but i think if you're going to do that, then I think Surge should also be lower. But, you know, again, there's the Avec class, 100% pure. How hungry are you? All that. You know, what about Scarves? Yeah, 
Fred, uh, host a YouTube series or three, and maybe you'll climb, buddy. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're saying here. Um, I, again, I, I'm open to being convinced here. I, I think Surge at 10, Davis at 11, Johnson at 12, and then Fred at 13 is, I think, fair. But, I, again, I'm not the arbiter. I, maybe I am the arbiter. This is my damn ranking. Maybe I am the objectively exactly. correct truth. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will continue on in just a second and get into Pascal Siakam in uh, on the other side. But first, I want to remind everybody that right now, the NBA draft is just two weeks away. And there's some great work going on across the network to cover the NBA draft. Josh Lloyd does a great job on Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, kind of breaking down prospects and how their fantasy value might be affected. We've got the Chad Ford Show with... Uh, Brad Rowland and Tony Jones joining the crew over there. Jeremy Wu as well from SI, a huge all-star crew doing NBA draft coverage as well as Locked on NBA every single day covering all angles of the NBA draft. So go check it out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, let's close this thing out with a talk about Pascal Siakam, who I have at number six right now. I was very torn. I wasn't sure how much to ding him for the playoffs this year because... It's really the only blight on his otherwise pretty sterling resume. He was not a very good rookie, but who is? He became an excellent bench player in year two and was, you know, a guy they would trust in crunch time of the Cavs series. And, you know, game three, he's out there for their for their big second half comeback and all that stuff. Um, that was a great step forward. And then the third season, he was the second or third best player, probably the third best player on a championship team. He was amazing. He was the second leading scorer on that team. He was all over the place, like an incredible defender, all of that stuff. This year, he makes a difficult, borderline impossible leap, continues his once-in-a-generation trajectory, and is the number one scorer on a team that wins on pace for 60 games over the course of a full season, and is another incredible defender. Maybe took a step back here and there, but I think that's kind of overblown. I think he was really good, and I think he was pretty essential to what the Raptors did on defense this season. He makes all-star starter, all-NBA second team. He's already got the most improved player basically a perfect resume so far through four years and then you get to the playoffs where he was not at all good uh, for most of the bubble frankly and in particular against Boston where if he plays like 20% better than he played they probably win that series and maybe win it comfortably and so I, I didn't know how much to ding him had he had like a perfect playoff and you know he goes off and, and they win against Boston because Pascal's a big sort of pace setter for the team I think there's a case for to put him ahead of Bosch I really do as such, I don't think there's that case right now because he faltered in the playoffs, despite the fact that he played as many playoff games this year alone as Chris Bosch did in his entire Raptors run, which I think also kind of matters here. I was also not going to ding him to the point that I put him below Jose Calderon at 7. I think Calderon is awesome. I think the the all-time numbers he accrued, you know, despite the lack of playoff success and the bad defense, I think are really important and excellent. So I, I, I thought about it for a second, maybe putting Pascal at seven, but I think I've settled on the right place at six between Calderon and Bosch. Am I wrong here, Big V? And is there any world in which Siakam would have passed Bosch with a playoff run of higher quality for you? 
Sean, the biggest compliment I can give you is that Pascal Siakam at six is perfectly fine. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm totally with you in that if he had been productive enough and efficient enough to help the Raptors beat the Celtics, then there absolutely would have been the case to move him ahead of Chris Bosh and have him in the top five. And uh, again, I think about Chris Bosh's peak as a player that to me was good enough to be the second best player on a championship team. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what Pascal Siakam has shown. He can be the second best player on the team. And mm -hmm. so if he, if he can take one more season and continue to elevate his game, he's going to be in the top five for sure. And he's just an all around awesome guy to root for. He's exceeded expectations in so many ways. And that I, I would say if there's one argument that Siakam does have over Bosch, it's the fact that, with Bosch, it was expected, right? Top five pick in a star-studded draft. Pascal Siakam, you know, for him, the expectations were much, much lower. And so he's already far exceeded them. And so if he can take all the failures and all the struggles from these playoffs and the bubble as a whole and turn it into becoming a better player and getting closer to that number one where, you know, he's... And an elite second option, and he's much closer to being a number one option. I don't know if he can get to that true number one level, but that to me is what will have him well in the top five. Yeah, I think the question becomes like, what does it take for him to overtake Bosch and Demar? You know, Vince. I think there's a, some difference between Vince and Demar with three four. You can quibble, I suppose, but um, like I think with Demar is just longevity. I, I, I'm yeah. pretty confident that he's going to pass Bosch. Yeah, I think like, like next year, it's it's totally reasonable considering the playoff. Resume. Yeah, I, I think with Demar, it's just a question of that longevity because even I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. Even if he stays the player that he is right now, that's better than Demar Derozan. Yeah. And so <laughs> he's so the fact that he's a guy who, when his offense isn't working, the team doesn't entirely crumble because he's a very good defender. That is kind of exactly the tell, right. Man. As, as badly as he was struggling, he needed to be out on the court defensively, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that says it all about Siakam. And I think with him, he gets a few more years in Toronto. I think he'll surpass DeMar. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of his contract, that's about to start next year, it's a four-year deal. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's as high as two, honestly. He's really freaking good. Obviously, it requires him to sort of learn from what went wrong this year. And if he stagnates, stagnates as the player he was this year, I don't think he passes Kawhi. He might pass Vince because, you know, Vince, you know, had his downfalls, obviously, as well. Um, mm -hmm. and, but, like, I think climbing to top two or three over the next couple of years is certainly likely or possible even likely. And by the end of his contract, he'll have played eight seasons in Toronto, assuming he sticks around for the length of it, which is just one shy of DeMar. And so at that point, the longevity argument kind of goes out the window for DeMar, and you're just looking at a guy who's a better player in Pascal. Um, you know, again, th this assumes a lot of growth and development and improvement upon the things that went wrong this year, but I think it's pretty tough to bet against Pascal, man. He, like, he's the kind of dude who seems to add something every year, kind of like DeMar was, except he's working from a much higher floor in terms of his overall sort of, you know, contributions to the game on the floor. So, um, you know, he's not touching Lowry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's happening unless he goes and wins an MVP or something, but he's, uh, he's bloody good. 
and I, I, he's going to rack up the All NBA stuff. He's going to rack up the All Stars, I'm sure, in a way that Demar, you know, sort of flirted with, but never really could. And so, yeah, I, uh, I'm glad I didn't screw this one up. I, I think it's, uh, <laughs> I, I would say, just and it, the way I put it together, this was the one that I felt the most good about after the fact. I was a little unsure when I was first looking at it, but after I kind of assembled the whole ranking, I think I was uh, pretty on point with Pascal. So good job, mm. me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Fine job, Sean. Yeah. Um, any outstanding c- concerns, quibbles? Uh, any, any any issues with where I ranked Jarrett Jack or Joey Graham? Uh, <laughs> I actually, I think you should also take upon ranking every coach that the Raptors have had, including assistant coaches. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't do that. I, 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 there will be some other dumb exercise I surely uh, undertake at some point here. Although this, you know, this writing this is like writing in my own coffin because I know I'm going to keep doing this stupid update every single year till I'm dead because mm-hmm. I can't not have it be complete and updated. It's like the, the syndrome of needing to buy the new stupid video game that is not updated in any way except for the rosters. It's the exact same game, just got those new sexy rosters, baby, and I need it. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, this is going to be me until, uh, I'm grizzled and old or until Raptors HQ says, stop writing for our site, you freak. Uh, <laughs> in which case I'll just take it to my Tumblr or whatever, if that's still a thing. Um, big V, there you go. this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for jumping on full disclosure. You're a hero today because I forgot to record the first attempt at recording this because I'm a dumbass. So thank you very much for sticking around to talk to me for over an hour today. You're a king. We love you very, very much here on the podcast. Do you have anything that you would like to promote? Yes, I would like to promote uh, a podcast that I've started about Manchester United. It's called Red Couch Manx. You can listen to it wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, whether it's Apple, whether it's Google. You can find it all on there, and we break down every Manchester United game. There is a Manchester United game later today where they will be playing against Istanbul Basaksehir, I believe is the name, and we will break it down right after. So, if you're a Manchester United fan, if you're a footy fan, go ahead and give it a listen. And if you enjoy it, go ahead and subscribe and let your friends know about it. Besides that, you can find my regular Raptors stuff at Complex and Raptors Republic. And that's pretty much it for now. You can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Hell yeah. Uh, I truly look forward to the scenes if Man U loses to Istanbul uh, today. That would be very funny. Uh, <laughs> I will tune into the podcast just for the schadenfreude. Uh, which, you know, honestly, some of my favorite podcasts I've ever listened to have been for that purpose. Shouts to the rights to Ricky Sanchez, uh, the podcast that I listened to after every single Raptors win in the second round last year and never listened to after a Sixers win because... Just couldn't do it, but uh, <laughs> it's nice to listen to people be sad on podcasts. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back again, I think, either Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure what day. Probably going to only do four episodes this week since we did have six last week with the emergency Terrence Davis episode we dropped last Wednesday. Um, and frankly, you know, just kind of need a day off, I think, this week, considering everything going on. So uh, either Thursday or Friday, I will bring Katie on the podcast. We'll do a mailbag of some kind. So keep an eye out for that. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. 
don't get too uh you know doom and gloom online i know it's very easy to do so but hey you know the things look okay it's terrible always but you know things look reasonably positive right now as we speak things could be totally terrible by the time i'm done recording and editing this podcast but still uh i hope you're taking care of yourselves drink lots of tea wrap yourself in a heavy blanket do all the good stuff for self-care um and i uh, love you very much we will talk to you again on thursday or friday with another episode of locked on raptors Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.